Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgiddance, running back from the corn shuckin, Porter decides to go to Dolly's home place instead of his own. Breathless, he begs her to go see the widow Warren with him right then and there. Fabricating a story to her parents, Dolly agrees, and they hurry in her family's wagon to the home of the healer, Davina Warren. Suspicious of Porter's intention, Widow Warren doesn't want to help at first, but finally she shares the eerie story of the night of Porter's birth. Desperate for more answers, Porter reaches for Davina Warren's hand, and something unexpected and unexplained occurs between them. Porter in Inniscombe Two weeks after the corn shucking, Porter stood beside the wagon in town, in front of the kirk, stroking Banjo's speckled jowl and waiting for Aunt Nula to finish her praying. Pa was delivering wooden creations to others in town. Porter hadn't felt like going along and exchanging awkward hellos with everyone who had watched his humiliation at the corn shucking two weeks before. Colleen was delivering freshly dyed wool skeins to Clomer at the general store. Porter had asked to come with her, but she shot him a sharp look and stalked away with her nose in the air. He'd nearly accepted his own isolation, but Colleen had always struggled to make and keep real friendships due to their mother's sickness and once his voice abandoned him and the rumors about his family worsened, life in town only got more difficult for his sister. So now he was stuck by the wagon, outside the little room off of the little white building where people gathered once a week to hear the Kirkman speak of the certain fate of their souls. Porter's gaze drifted to the little white gathering place, then to the graveyard perched on the swell of hill behind, 
dotted with carved stone markers. In the springtime, the annual Remembrance Day picnic made the place erupt with a strange affection, as Innisfolk relished their shared connections, telling stories of loved ones long gone. But this time of year, with skeletal leaves littering the ground, all Porter could recall were the countless times he'd overheard the young ones ask about a name on a grave, receiving mumbled nothings in return. Did it have to do with the never-seen? He shuddered at the thought. Aunt Nula insisted her insight was stronger in that little prayer room off of the little white building where they gathered once a week. He'd asked her once where she'd gotten it, that special instinct or insight that made all the town seek her wisdom and advice. She said she supposed she'd been born with it, a spiritual gift, and insisted she'd worked all her life to cultivate it. He asked then if her gift had ever given her any hunch about why he and his mother were so afflicted. She said, no. The late October sun couldn't begin to warm the frigid morning air, not with the thick, overcast sky blocking its way, Porter pulled his coat tight around himself, leaning to cross his arms on his knees, absently running a finger over the thinning fabric on his elbows. His stomach growled. He'd eaten Great Aunt Nula's spiced oatmeal before leaving, but that was even before daylight. Already he hungered for the noon meal, but forced himself to focus on the town instead of his appetite. Across from Clomer's general store stood Uncle Ed's home and smithy. A wisp of dark smoke twirled from the chimney, and a rhythmless clanging sounded from within the walls. Ed was hard at work. His donkey brayed after every bang. Porter smirked. Dumb donkey, he thought. Lived its whole life at the forge and still can't get used to that sound. Footsteps sounded down the road, and Paw rounded the bend. Two children's rocking chairs, six cutting boards, three rolling pins, all done and delivered, he said. Your sister done yet? Porter raised his eyebrows and dipped his chin. Seriously, that girl might as well be a rooster for the way she struts if given the chance. Guess we have to wait on Aunt Nula anyway. Well, come help me. Sal Hollis and son... Davina Warren shuffled down the red clay road from the opposite direction. Wail, wail. Her wiry hair was braided in a long stripe down her back, and dust covered her old black boots and the bottom of her plain gray dress. She smiled politely at Sal, but Porter could see the twinge of pity in her lips. Sure ain't often that I cross paths with you in town. Pa's shoulders were rigid as a plank. Yes, Miss Davina, he said. Healing the town keeps you busy at odd hours, I'll bet. Sure does, she said. The seat of the rocking chair you made me has started to fracture in the planks after all these years. You remember the one? Pa scratched the back of his neck. The one I made you in exchange for your... <clears throat> services before and after Porter's birth. Davina nodded. It's such a fine chair. 
I wondered if you might be able to fix it for me soon. That'd be fine, he said. Widow Warren turned to Porter. Instinctively, he removed his hat. Good morning, Mrs. Warren. Whatever happened between them the night of the shucking hadn't scared her off, but something, an intensity he couldn't quite label, shone in her eyes. I made up several more sachets to help that voice of yours, she said. Thank you, Porter replied. The tea didn't work a lick, he thought. Colleen drank it all, said it helped her moods. If your father don't mind, Davina said, I'd like for you to come get him. She phrased it as a request, but the way she looked at him made it clear it wasn't. Glancing to Pa, Porter raised his eyebrows in silent question. Be quick, Pa said. Porter joined the Widow Warren, surprised at how quickly she walked despite such short stature and her seventy-something years. He slouched next to Mrs. Warren, wishing he could blend in, but he felt as plain as the wart beside Sam Keller's nose. The cursed kid of Inniscombe and the town's oldest healer. That would certainly spark talk. They passed the handful of residences that clustered near the entrance to the town. Rose Cartwright Keller hunched over a wash basin by the front of her house to Porter's left, scrubbing. She stopped when she spotted him, not even responding when Mrs. Warren waved. Across from the Kellers, he caught Miss Myrna peering through her front window of her home and quilting shop. She rushed away, tugging the opaque curtain back into place. He walked faster, relieved that the Widow Warren matched his pace. She said nothing, not until they entered her cabin and she shut the door behind them. Mary Patterson got sudden toxemia during labor. Porter swallowed, trying to make sense of what she said. Her hands and feet got all swolled up, Widow Warren clarified. She started convulsing. Rachel Bullright had never seen such a case, but I have. Do you know what happens when a woman's got toxemia when she's with child, Porter? He shook his head. She dies. Often the baby does, too. Davina Warren crossed her arms. Everything with Mary and the twins seemed normal that night, until I got there. After I saw you. He froze, skin prickling like a plucked chicken. Sticking his index finger between his molars, he bit down hard. Miss Davina! I laid hands on Miss Mary to pray. But before I could even start, the swelling stopped. It all stopped. She delivered two healthy girls three hours later. She planted her hands on her hips, eyes scanning him from head to toe and back again. That tea didn't work a lick on you, did it? He shook his head. Come over here, boy. Heart galloping in his chest, Porter took a rigid step, then another until he stood less than an arm's length from the old healer, who stood at eye level with his sternum and watched him with grave intensity. Slowly, she reached up toward his chin with long, knobby fingers, 
Instinctively, he lifted his head, but strained to keep his eyes on her face as she ran cold, calloused fingertips over his stubbled neck, then behind his jawbone and up to his temples. A rush of coolness, like the trickle of a stream, followed the path of her fingers, leaving behind a tingling sensation. His pulse skittered. He looked at her. Speak, boy, she said. My name is Porter Hollis. The sentence came out smooth and easy, and he dared go on. And, and, I'm not cursed by the never seen. Every fiber within him rang with astonishment and, for the first time in his life, joy. I am not cursed by the never seen, he said again, this time his hands coming up to press over his eyes, rake through his hair. I'm not cursed by the never seen. Miss Davina, you, you healed me. Tears flooded his eyes. You healed me. His voice cracked and broke over the words. She grasped his hands with a surprising strength. Now you and I both know that ain't true. I don't know what you did or how you did it, but you unlocked something in me. There's a lot I can't explain about this town, about you, but if I know one thing for certain now, I know you are not cursed. All the town's been looking at is this matter upside down. Releasing her grip on him, she crossed to the door and yanked it open. The intensity in her eyes was joined by a smirk on her lips. Now, go get your mama. Clutching the side of the wagon, Porter leaned forward, willing Boris and Banjo to trot faster. It was all he could do not to tell his father and his sister and his great-aunt everything. Instead, he kept silent, biting his tongue until he tasted blood to keep all he wanted to say at bay. It would be better to tell them after the Widow Warren saw Mama. If Davina could heal his voice, certainly she could heal his mother now, too. Then he'd reveal everything to Pa and Colleen and Aunt Nula. The wagon ambled onto their large property. His leg muscles twinged to jump down and bound through the tall grass into the cabin to get Mama. He forced himself to bide his time, return the horses to their stables for food and water, and help Pa unload his new acquisitions, all the while imagining the look on Mama's face when he told her the news, the widening of her eyes at the sound of his unhindered voice, the smile bunching her cheeks when the widow Warren finally... Forever, dried Mama's tears once and for all. Finally, Pa settled down into his workshop, turning his attention to a new cane of black walnut for Sam Keller. Porter crossed the yard, spying Colleen drawing water from the well. Aunt Nula had gone straight to the clothesline to see if the garments she'd hung that morning had dried. Porter mounted the porch steps and entered the cabin, then rushed to the cabin's second room and yanked the door open. His gaze pinged to the seat by the spinning wheel, to the chair beside the room's only window, to the bed with its crumpled, tattered quilt. Empty. 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 The Innes Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel. 
with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh.